Why, do you want to talk about something? <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah, no, well, there's a good chance to. Uh, welcome to Phantom Nonsense. I'm Zach, I think. I'm Goose. And I am also Nolan. Yeah. Hey, we kind of got it that time. Yeah, we did. Um, We're not going to next time. No, we won't. So, um, which one of you guys chapstick on? Me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh. <laughs> can you tell? I can, yeah, I can uh, tell. It was a little, little kiss noise. Did you just, did you just put it on? Because yeah. I can. Yeah, okay. it's on the pod. Yeah, yeah, it is. Ah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. Welcome to Phantom Nonsense. Uh, this week is again going to be different because tomorrow, for the states of California, Texas, Virginia, Massachusetts, Minnesota. Vermont, and a half a dozen others that I'm forgetting right now. It's uh, Super Tuesday, and the the biggest uh, delegate collection day in the whole Democratic primary. <sighs> and we just spent our day uh, walking through the lovely uh, Carbondale and Harrisburg, Illinois, um, talking to people, mostly knocking on doors and... Nobody. Walking away and no one being home. But we talked to a couple people and... Uh, and everyone were, we talked to was nice. Yeah, everyone we talked to was, yeah. was nice and at least... See, last last time you got really clear like, no, I'm voting for Trump or no, I'm voting for Hillary. This time it was like, okay, cool. Yeah, good to see you, whatever. Like, you registered to vote? Yeah, okay, uh, cool. Like, I... It takes me a little bit to get into the groove of I don't like the script you know right. yeah I don't you know, know i'm they're like hi i'm i'm zach with volunteering with the bernie campaign are you so and so great bernie bernie is fighting for justice and blah, blah 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 like yeah all those things are true but they're it's inorganic the way that it's in the script so i like to get a rhythm and like find like how to talk to that's why i like doing it one-on-one as opposed to mm. phone banking because I'm good at spotting how to code switch to talk to somebody if I'm actually right. looking at them. If you're just on the phone, all you have is the script for the most part. Right. Because it's, it's almost impossible without body language to steer a conversation yeah. in any direction without sounding like a complete psychopath. And there's so much, so much other context. Like the one lady that we stopped and talked to that had, that had the, all the dogs and everything. Right. Like that's, that's a context that if the conversation went further that I could play off of that, that I wouldn't have in a phone conversation. Right, yeah. right. You know? Absolutely. I think uh, the last lady we talked to also, uh, she seemed kind of uneasy after first seeing us, but it, she was, like, smiling by the end of it. Yeah. She, she smiled at us as we left. And yeah. she wasn't, like, she was very tepid. It was kind of later in the evening. We weren't, you know, trying to keep her for too long. But right. uh, she, she had a very, like, a positive reaction. I think on some level, too, just knowing that people who support candidate are like good people who will come mm -hmm. up to you and like talk to you like a person yeah is a nice is a nice thing i think it shows that there's you know a humanity to his support base we're we're not just bernie bros we're not just you know right cult members and that's kind of the the thing i would hope that we can find some kind of way around to today um is that crossover of of politics and celebrity culture and modern celebrity culture, which is 
parasocial and, right. you know, like... We have more influence on uh, celebrities' lives than we ever have. Right, and w there's more interaction and... And vice versa. Right. Um, and I, there's a crossover of it with, with politics to, to where there's... And it's been around forever, but it seems to reach a fever point in the last four years. Um, and it has a different manifestation on the right than it does on the Democrats. But it seems to me like a lot of the Bernie bro thing is projection because yeah. a lot of the liberal mindset is within that framework of these are the people that are going to going to save us and mm. you know someone like Warren is is representative of of her entire her entire base because she's the model that they follow and that seems different to me than than the Bernie base. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that people like project whatever they perceive the candidate to be onto their their base. They that's inevitable, but it's it's different with with the Bernie Bros cuz like a, like 60% of his uh support is female, right? Right. And he's got a you know, swath of of minority support. He's got uh, it's not a it's not a uh a base that could in any way be seen as like purely white, purely male centric, purely from that perspective. But we all get painted with this brush just because I guess it's an old white dude who is at the front of it. Well, I think what I'm trying to get at is people see the Bernie bros or whatever Bernie's base as in the same way they see Rick and Morty fans. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, basement dwellers. Like right. The incels, basically. Right. And as as being some unhinged mass that just is just a cult around, around an idea or around a person or some brand or something. But that seems much more true of, especially the K-Hive is the most... Uh, oh, yeah. ridiculous example of it, especially since she's been out of the race for what, like two months now? Yeah. And there's, and people are still like losing their minds about Kamala Harris. But that seems more accurate to them. And I'm not saying it doesn't exist in Bernie's base, but our lens of politics is different than that neoliberal monoculture mm. kind of thing that pervades um pervades elsewhere i think because of his policies being so like wide widely affecting to all like all different walks of people that he can draw support from very different types of people because yeah. like uh you know union workers like industry workers have a reason to be behind him teachers have a reason to be behind him you know, nurses have a reason to support him. Mm -hmm. Even college kids, well, especially college kids. You know, it's right. like it. It's it's insulting to a large group of people to assume that they aren't working in each for their own best interests, just right. because they're part of a larger group. And when you paint uh, any movement with just like one 
broad stroke, you're, you know, inevitably, you're, they're, they're kind of playing, they're, tr they're trying to play into their own hands of just, like, forcing this perspective on, on, well, I guess when I say they, I mean the media. Right, yeah, we know what you mean. But, it just, it doesn't ring true if you, if you put it up to any kind of scrutiny. And is more true about, as you were saying, it's projection. It's more true about these opposing campaigns that they are like largely white. And uh, when Buttigieg says he like is a unity candidate, oh well, get fuck. We don't even have to think about him anymore. Right. <laughs> Although apparently, oh wait, I gotta put my mic back on. Hold on. Hello, I'm back. Uh, although apparently, and obviously, the reason why Buttigieg uh, dropped out was to keep Sanders from getting a majority. He's hoping that his support goes to Biden or something, but that's why basically Pete took one for the team before Super Tuesday. Mm. Yeah. So. Super gross. So Pete's out. Mm. I think Klob's gone after, after Tuesday. She's got to be. She's got to be. Warren should be, but Warren's underperformed Pete in every single contest. Yeah. Like, Pete has gotten Warren's black support that neither one of them had. <laughs> you know, so I don't know what her play is other than trying to get the 15% threshold of delegates to, to compete in Milwaukee on the second ballot and stop Bernie from getting a majority. And... This is also just clearly undemocratic and yeah. shitty. <sighs> no, it it's really disheartening to see that there's this entire apparatus to defend us from <laughs> I guess an actually like inspiring <laughs> right. left candidate. Right. And Oh my god. It's not even like you Now we're talking earlier about like um, like re, like a reaction and everything, and like, if Bernie would be be safe from the CIA and like retaliation, and I honestly don't know, but it's fucking scary to to step back and realize that we've gone so far In that social democracy triggers this reaction yeah like where it feels almost inevitable that there will be some kind of i hate to fucking use this phrase but deep state reaction to right uh to a somewhat socialist like not even it's not even socialism he's right. not talking about well i mean on some level he's he is talking about workers being able to own a portion yeah, of the but company that's, that's more like him just like gesturing in that that he, direction he's right. not he doesn't have any like policies about you, that happening he does does but he? yeah but oh, the 20% of uh, yeah and but they're limited in scope yeah. and there's still there's a difference between socialism or socialist policies within a capitalist framework you know uh public utilities, municipalities, mm -hmm. worker protections and ownership and all those kinds of things. And actual socialism. You don't get actual socialism without revolution. Not because we have to be violent, but because the state 
and capital will inevitably react and force and force mm-hmm. a violent revolution. You won't yeah. there's no choice. You they won't just hand it over willingly. Right. So there Bernie can't just walk into the White House and just we're a socialist country now. Right. Deal with it. You know, like yeah. he can push us right to the edge. And maybe we get in such a strong position, you know, with uh, with strong and militant unions and community policing and demilitarization and all kinds of different things we can use to maneuver the chessboard to where we're in a situation to where revolution doesn't have to be... Slaughter. Compl- right, destructive. Yeah. But there does have to be a point where the where the people who are in charge of the system are removed and are not able to regain control and that's the thing that I go back to is well without without some drastic violent retribution how do we stop stop this from happening again like you look at, I forget who, who said it, but it blew my mind. If, if you look at the, at the, uh, the New Deal era and, and Keynesianism as a temporary um, break between, between Gilded Ages it makes a lot more sense than to see it as its own separate part of of liberalism. Hmm. You see the because immediately oh, like a concerted effort to uh, dissuade people from violent revolution through like investment in the populace. No, well, because power never really effectively changed hands. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's yes, that, but immediately efforts began to dismantle the new deal hmm. the new deal coalition and the new deal itself yeah um and through the 50s and 60s you you know europe was completely destroyed yeah so and Everybody's, we saw the benefit of that. Right. Everybody's currency was completely wiped out. So we had the money, which means we could get all the gold and be the number, the only, or not the only, but the main yeah. uh, currency. Industry and world banking. Yep. And we also could could rebuild Europe. Yeah. All the steel, all the... But that ran out. In the seventies, and so the gas crisis and all of these, right? And so, capital had to reform, and what it did was, it took that industry and moved it to Mexico and then to China. Yep. It was, and as we've talked about before, killed all the revolutionary leaders in the sixties, the Mm. CIA. Um, and, and like MI6 
and other uh, co covert agencies worked really hard to, within two years, you go from Haight-Ashbury and Monterey Pop to Woodstock. Mm. And the level of commodification of of those ideals that happens in that time is really astounding especially before the internet and everything the way that that whole movement was turned in on itself yeah. so quickly <coughs> so that's that's the context that I that I come to 2020 in and if I have was able to ask Bernie one question, it would be, assuming we get all of these things that we're fighting for, how are we going to secure them forever? How are we going to make sure that they can't be, they can't be dismantled by a, a Congress, a president, or a court? Mm. Like, you know, like, even if it's something that is in, is enshrined in the Constitution, it has to be so clear that it can't be interpreted in a way that could backfire on us, you know? But I don't know how... I mean, I don't know how we, we stop it from... Uh, God damn it, kittens! I don't know how how we we stop it from from evaporating, and the thing with social democracy is it, as we've talked, kind of hinted at, it is hinged on on imperialism. It's you know like it requires that exploitation of the global south and non-imperialist imperialist countries. So, you know, and it becomes the same thing. Like, yeah, uh, we can provide millions of jobs and a federal jobs guarantee is one of the main reasons on a personal level that I'm supporting Bernie. Mm. Um, like... Fucking sixty thousand dollars a year for for teachers? Hell yeah, that's that's what I'm gonna gonna do if that that becomes a thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but beyond things like long term jobs, like doctors and teachers and stuff like that, you know, like the construction and all of those all of those things, the infrastructure jobs, and those trade school jobs, trades. Right. Yeah, trades. Those don't last forever. No. You know, like even even maintenance has a major like dip in personnel needed. I don't know what it would what it is, but it has to be like probably fifty percent or something. So a huge swath of those people aren't going to have jobs. So even even if we can keep it internal, and we don't have to use imperialism to support our social democracy, at some point, the majority of those jobs are going to be done. And then what? Mm. You know, then, then what's going to going to su support it? Uh, I don't buy into the the notion that if we tax billionaires, they're going to you know leave and go somewhere else because they're still going. Like, it doesn't matter where they are; they're multinational. 
They yeah. can be based anywhere. They're not going to abandon the American market, especially if the American market has buying power again. Mm. Like, they're, they're not going to do that. And so as long as they're selling their goods on an American market, we have leverage over them. But... How deep is that well? You know, like, at some point, you you still come up upon the contradictions of, of capitalism and, um, so I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, obviously, vote, vote for Bernie and, and all of that. I'm not, I'm not saying that this isn't the best step that we've had in our lifetime, if not the history of the country. Mm -hmm. But this is just a, a first step. And this yeah. and the retaliation we're getting from the Democratic Party in the primary, and especially in the context of him winning... It's going to pale in comparison to the general election, and uh, further than that, it's going to pale in comparison to the yeah. response we then have from the established powers now, because then we'll be forced, like, the private sector of all of that deep, old money that has just been, you know, cradling our lives, at, oh. you know, and threatening to drop us off the balcony. Right. Although, we could be in a very, very interesting place. We definitely are. Um, but it just depends on how much longer the, the bubble can expand before it pops because it's overdue mm. and the coronavirus virus scare isn't helping. Um, and so it's very possible that Bernie comes in to, to a recession Maybe a crash. I think they fucked their math up somewhat. If they're like trying to, you know, short the market enough to, to cause a crash in this coming year, because we're already starting to see a little bit of that. I think a lot of that's just reaction to, uh, yeah, the coronavirus as a scare, like that massive dip in the Dow Jones. I mean, the econ economists on the left have been calling a crash for like four years now oh it's, just it's been a matter overdue of, yeah yeah it's it's way overdue it's just a matter of when and what the catalyst is right but if it happens under bernie then <coughs> that's that's the real test to me of what bernie's actual position is hmm. like i definitely think that bernie's actual politics are to the left of what he advocates for that rhetoric is really he dog whistles us uh, on the left like he, so he dog whistles the left a lot and to me the the thing with democratic socialism and good social democrats is by is by necessity you're having to advocate for your compromise positions a lot because yeah. the people aren't with you yet Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if if Bernie goes out there and is all, you know, workers should own the means of production and people don't know what that means and right. they haven't internalized that and they aren't 
with him on that, then then that's not something he can really make a case for. Bernie's right. entire politics has has been saying the same things over and over again for 30, 40 years and making the case. Which fucking blessing. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> and making the case and getting people along along with him because the whole Democratic part means that you need a majority behind you. So you've got to get people on your side. And I think that uh, he was at, I think it was an IWW meeting or uh, or a DSA meeting or something in the in the early 90s. And he was talking about um, the Scandinavian countries. Hmm. He's like, I'm like, I'm I'm proud and I support the uh, the countries of Norway and Denmark and, and Sweden for uh, for their strong social democratic reforms. But to me, I think we should go we should go further. I think <laughs> the I think the uh, the workers should control the means of production or whatever he said. I can't remember now, but. You know, I, I I see that in his in his politics. Like these things are good. Oh, thank you. I see that in his politics. Like these things are good and we absolutely need them and they're a basic standard, but also, as you said, dog dog whistles to the left and a lot a lot more of that as he's gotten as he's become the front runner, it's great to see him actually like have a spine. Yeah. About him? Oh, hell yeah. It's... Uh, was I he mean, a lot more uh, toned down last oh, election? Oh, no. I mean, like, just in this within this campaign, like, to see the shift from, like, Bernie all, always, like, holding back and not going after the other candidates or yeah. whatever. In 2016, he was very, very subdued. Comparative to now, I right? Mean, he's, he's still when he did pop off, he popped off really well. But I mean, like, in twenty nineteen, compared compared to now, oh yeah, like no way <laughs> that Nevada debate. What fuck around and find out? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, the fucking uh, South the South Carolina debate. Yeah. yeah. Like my favorite favorite part was uh, when he's talking about like like now. Mayor Bloomberg has uh, has a large base of support. Too bad, too bad they're all billionaires. <laughs> and then the crowd boos, boos at me. Goes oh, points to the crowd like oh. Mm, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I can see them there. They're in the roped off section, <laughs> right? And then uh, the whole whole Cuba thing, which what the fuck? Yeah, like, really? Yeah, and he's like <laughs> I. Like, yeah, we can we can acknowledge when when another country when a country does something good, it's a good thing that that they had a uh, like had health had healthcare and, and literacy, and people start booing. Really, really? really? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, people and the fucked up thing is that some some people out there, probably pundits, will misconstrue that as him being contrarian and like him being aggressive just because he like actually held to a value yeah and was surprised that somebody he wasn't even like rude about it he wasn't like oh well you're a fucking idiot obviously if, you're, <laughs> if you can't acknowledge that somebody that isn't within the borders of this country has a good idea then... well, well someone someone asked him asked him about it and i love the like the many shades of 
of Bernie. And, like, because there's, you know, uh, there's Rally Bernie, who's talking to his base and is, and is very much at, at home and, and a spokesman, and you can tell that he listened to a lot of, like, Debs mm. and King and stuff. Like, he's very good at, at rallying speeches. Yeah. Um, and then there's the, the debate voice, which is much more rhetorical yeah. and stays on the point. And then there's, like, the interview voice of, of Bernie, which, which I, I love. Mm. Um, but, because someone asked him, he was like, so, I, I noticed you had a little bit of antag- antagonism with, with the crowd. What was, what was up with that? I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good question. See, you know how much tickets were for, for, this, uh, for this event? Seven, I'm sorry, $1,700. So, that's like, basically, that's, that's, that's why I got into it with, with the crowd member, because what kind of person do you think is paying $1,700 to, to come to a primary debate? My, like, yeah. working people don't have that kind of money. We yeah. can't. Fucking shit. If I had $1,700 right now. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'd... That's not maxing out, is it? No, it's like two thousand seven hundred, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd I'd give it to the campaign. I wouldn't pay it to CBS. But did you say CBS or CVS? CBS. Oh, okay. Um. But Iceland nationalized the banks after the crash in 08. And Bernie has praised them for that. So I could see him doing doing something like that, but it's possible to even go more drastic than that. Nationalize the stock market. Mm. How does that work? Um, hmm. How would that work? Probably it's similarly to how you would have a uh, socialized uh, corporation where everyone owned a percentage of it. Except uh, I don't know how that would translate to labor or like. Um, I imagine you could. It would be largely the same. It's just that like if you were a stakeholder in a company as opposed to a shareholder, you would probably have some sort of uh, economic sway, or that would be translated into public stock. Okay. But you might not want it to be, because it that that might be how I don't know if we'd even want to do that. You could I mean, distinguish just, the value of of labor through. I mean, there's also like that. But that's a little capitalist for right. There's also the the option of just destroying the stock market. Yeah. Like. Which what's what sounds just, better? And just yeah, and just nationalizing investment, basically. Um, but regardless of what happens in twenty twenty, at the current rate, um, the rate of profit will hit zero in by twenty fifty. Mm. So. What that means is that 2050 is capitalism's 
dead end. Event horizon. Right. Exactly. So. Now, what happens? That's thirty years from now. Mm-hmm. You know what? What happens between now and then? You. We're out of. Uh, resources like there's there's nowhere else on earth to to expand to there's no more labor to extract there there are no more resources to extract there isn't an, another wave coming for for capitalism and and so I don't see a way that that they get out of that, but that automated cannibalism. You know that's what they want to do anyway. Yeah, but that does that does mean that that the forty fifty years of relative peace that we've had is coming within the core is coming to an end. Right. Because there will no longer be this bubble of safety around America that's presumed... Uh, not even just America, but Europe. Yeah. Especially especially Europe, because, like, America will remain insulated for, for the most part, because right. we're, we're detached from most things, and we still have that level of power, but as... as the rate of profit drops... And hegemonic control weakens, then, just like there was in in World War One, there is a going to be a scrambling for for power mm. amongst the imperial nations, and Brexit is very peculiar in that lens. Because there's growing antagonism between the U.S. and the EU. Now, the... I forget what it was. There was some... There was something that the... uh, Like the president or whatever, the EU. He went to Trump to ask him to like... To stop sanctions on Iran or something like that. I forget what what the thing he wanted was. But... Of course, he capitulated whenever Trump was just like, I'm not going to do that, but uh, I'm going to I'm gonna tell you this and this, and we're going to have a press conference, and it was really good. We had a really, really good meeting. <laughs> um, Everyone and, got off. It was perfect. <laughs> the mis- It was a good meeting with Mr. Trump, and we, we hope that everyone acts in good faith on this agreement or whatever, knowing that no one's going to act in good faith on right, the agreement. Right, right. But the the EU knows they're not in a position to where they can they can't handle a trade war with the with the US right now. <laughs> but the thing with Brexit too is it's all been like theoretical up until now. Like it's already happened, mm-hmm. but there haven't been any new trade deals. The they also have, like, that, no idea what they're doing, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not like a... It's not like a switch you can flip where, like, 
your EU service comes off. Yeah. Like you can't just like unsubscribe to EU and then it's over with. It's like there's a bunch of like individual trade deals with different like portions of Europe and right. all of this different bureaucracy that needs to be handled. And really it's just, it was always a kind of formless thing, like a, just like a broad suggestion at a, at a like redisposition of the country. And that's what I don't want the Sanders campaign to turn into if he gets into power. Like just this assumption that things are now like broadly different just because there's a new face on what right. the power structure is in our country. I think that it's been it's been pushed to me in my interactions with with other Bernie supporters that it's not going to end at the presidency. That's that's just not how this movement has to take place. It has to go beyond. It has to be like this the Green New Deal. It has to whatever that turns out to fully be. Right. I forget what the what the number is, but it's it's a plurality or a majority of Bernie supporters. Um, like when asked, are intend to stay active in in politics going beyond and I've never been involved in another uh, campaign before Um, I didn't I'm gonna be honest I didn't like Obama from from the outset I didn't know enough about any of it until he was already out of office right like the first any campaign that I paid attention to was 2016. Uh, yeah. And I haven't been around politics very long either. Right. right. Um, but from from what I've gathered from from people like uh, like Megan Day and uh, and Michael Brooks um, and other people that have been involved in the in the real left. For a for a long time, um, and Nomiki Konst, um, is this campaign functions a lot more like old level or old school street level union organizing than it does like like a presidential campaign. Like we're learning how to organize. How to we're learning how to organize right and. Bernie is just, Bernie's presidency is just the first, like, this is school, basically, you know? Yeah. Like, this is the thing, like, you you literally have to do this part. If you don't do this part, then you can't do the other parts. You don't have the ability to do them. So, learn here and get the tools so that in a, a year from now, we'll be doing this again. But we'll be walking walking door to door and asking people if they support Medicare for all, right. or explaining the Green New Deal to them. Yep. <laughs> this doesn't end just because we accomplish a goal. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's it's it's as true with uh, this movement as it is with just people. If you when whenever you stop learning, you start dying, and we there's too much at, at stake for us to just think that if we get Bernie into office that everything's going to be fine. Now, if he doesn't get into office, that's another hellscape we can address. But the movement won't disappear either. Right. Yeah. And the... And I feel like the... 
the thing about um about FDR that made FDR work was FDR knew how to use the the popular rage um in in his leverage like he knew that that's what in his negotiations with money he knew that's what he had had to offer was I can keep these people from from killing you and, and dragging you out of your house and dragging you out of your house I but I need I need to go back to them and give them something right you know and the thing that's been missing in American politics is that synthesis of there's been neither one really since since FDR there hasn't been an ally in the White House or in really in Washington in general and there hasn't been a strong militant left movement that would force an ally to stick to their convictions. I honestly think Bernie's base at this point is so is so pissed off. Like the Bernie's strong base hasn't moved since 2016. Mm. So we've just gotten more radical and gotten more entrenched into our into our position to where he can't really shut us off at this point. Right. So him him becoming president is of course uh crucial to getting the things we want done in a timely manner and a, a clean a clean path to um to avoid ecological disaster cuz i don't know i don't know how we we pull that we pulled that off hmm. even like if we did have a if we fail in Milwaukee and we have a violent revolution and we overthrow the DNC and we um and we establish uh Brianna Joy Gray as the as the chairman of the Soviet Socialist States of America <laughs> uh, I'm still worried about like the the climate change thing and dealing, yeah. dealing with that like I that's where I'm kind of like not so much an anarchist I'm like we kind of kind of need that state uh, industrial apparatus as, uh, as up a until we undo all of the shit that's been done right yeah of course we have to undo it but the appar- that apparatus is the only thing that can act quickly enough yeah. to to do it. That's and what I'm saying. Quick... We need to use it effectively right. and then throw it away. Exactly. Precisely. Oh, my God. You know, also, in, in, in reference to getting further radicalized and just pushed left as time has gone on, mm-hmm. like, once you have the class politics of the 2016 campaign in your mind and you see what happened with the Hillary, Hillary nomination and then going into the Trump presidency, it's just putting this like clown makeup and throwing into Times Square this, this thing that we 
we thought was just subliminal at, at this, or I thought was subliminal right. before then. And it's so blatantly obvious now. It's like Trump is like the emperor who, with like the emperor's new clothes. Remember like... Right, yeah. And it's, it's not, not so much in that he is like, clearly an idiot and doesn't realize it, but that's obviously true. It's in that he is representing something that is boldly in our face now that, that is, we're being told is... is is like civil and is is the powers working appropriately as they were supposed to. Right. Take take away the 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 mean tweets and just saying the quiet part out loud. And he's Bush. He's just right. What's I mean? He's even Obama. To right. A, yeah. To a very disappointing degree. Right. Oh man, Obama <laughs> could have been so great if he was just like. If he actually was what the left and like moderates kind of hoped that he would be, uh, well, not moderates, I guess. If he was what the left uh, hoped he would be, right. and he just like went mask off as soon as he got in the presidency and was this actual radical, like if it was like Kwame Turret mm-hmm. got into yeah. <laughs> got into the fucking White House, then oh my god! You people still see him as that person. I know. Oh. It's uh, I th- it's with like a- hey, he committed war crimes, you know. It's so, we, we got a motherfucker named Barack Hussein Obama into the White House, and he was just basically like sparkling water compared to flat. Right. It, it, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that, it still doesn't make, make sense to me. It never, it never has. Um, you know, I... The one thing, the the only, like, I barely, like, supported anybody. Uh, uh, 2012 was the first election that I could have voted in, mm-hmm. and I didn't. But I, like, did have some tepid support for Obama just for the gay marriage thing. And I <coughs> thought I was woke because of that. But, it like, that should have just been, like, baseline in the 90s, something that we should have gotten accomplished. Yeah. And... Well, I mean, we sh- it should have been never an issue, but you know what I'm saying. Like right. we had the we had the the ability to, I think, from that time, at least the perspective on it. But I was being played by the media that I was consuming into thinking that that's where the battle lines were. Like that's where the left was battling for verisimilitude. Verisim- like right. that's not even close to where the actual struggle is going on in, in actual class politics. It just was this theoretical thing that I could attach to and think was disparate from the right when in reality, in like material reality, Obama probably did as much damage as, as Bush did. Well, not starting the wars, but you know, like furthering them and like doing nothing to, to take us out of them and just yeah. perpetuating them and creating even more context for a neoliberal hellscape. Right. Like I've said said before, it's it's a pattern through neoliberalism that re- Republicans set the set the tone and and set set normality by by pushing it and breaking it and Democrats normalize it, and right. you see that with right. you see that with with Reagan and uh, destroying the air traffic controllers union, and 
Iran-Contra and all the fucked up shit that Reagan did. And then Bill Clinton comes in and signs NAFTA. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of... A lot of the stage being set between... Or literally all the stage being set between Daddy's War in Iraq and Baby Bush's War in Iraq all happens under Clinton. All the sanctions in Iraq and everything yeah. that sets the stage for that happens under Clinton. And then Bush, you have a war criminal and one of the worst presidents we've ever had. And then Obama campaigns against those things and keeps those things going. And pretty much continue doesn't make any kind of change to to Bush's bailout. Like right. I don't think that Bush had was going to bail out GM. I think GM was going to fail if I remember right. But it's been so long. But there wasn't much like Obama came in and yeah. Well these banks are too big to fail, so boom, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um Do you and, think that uh the the new war treaty that they're pulling the troops out with for Trump is gonna Impact his campaign? Um, yes, I think that's a smart move on Trump's part. And if it's anybody but Bernie, Trump is going to run to the left and is going to do the same thing he did to Hillary and get them from from left populist rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Um, because his base is because his base is going to stick with him for the most part, like. You maybe you can move some of them right. to if, Bernie because if he's, they have a weird button about something that right. gets gets pressed. If if their thing is like I want someone you know who's who's trustworthy or whatever and or whatever their thing is like then you can you can get just about any coalition you can get some of them to Bernie, but say it's not so his base is going to be pretty much just stagnant. We're not going to, for the most part, going to support the nominee. Right. Um, and so that the the ones that are that are left, like the one the non voters that or independents that might go one way or the other, um, are going to have been paying attention to the Democratic primary, mm. uh, and or at least enough to to see how how Bernie got treated and not want to go with the, with the Democrats and Trump will be able to sway more of them if he goes back to, back to populist rhetoric, especially if he just pulls the Obama card. Like, look, I really, really tried to get universal health care like Canada has for everybody. And I was just about to do it. And then Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats <laughs> in 2018 started talking about impeachment, and I didn't want these very, very good policies to be ruled unconstitutional because that would be very bad for you. <laughs> so I can totally see Trump pulling some, oh, I wanted to help you guys, but I couldn't. What we have to do is win and and take back the House. And then have a president for life. Yeah. Which, I just want to say, abolish term limits. Yeah. Like, 
It's anti-democratic. It's if you want to re, if you want to vote in the same person, if your democracy is functioning and you right. want to vote in the same person again, if you're being held from that in any way, that is anti-democratic. The one uh, caveat that I would put on it is abolish term limits, but there should be a mechanism like you should have. There should to, be a mechanism for removal. Impeachment there, should not be such a vague and right. there ridiculous should be, there should proposal. Be a, there should be a mechanism for removal, and you should, if you are, like if you're an incumbent and you are polling below 40% or something, or 25, 30, doesn't have to be a high number, but if an overwhelming majority of your constituents fucking hate you, no, it's just a waste of resources. You can't you can't run again. Like I think there should be a a bar of like you should have a certain level of of popularity and support to be able to get on the ballot. Like there should be pre-ballot debates where con- contenders can go up and like and then, you know, a couple months of that like okay, these are the yeah. these are the four people out of 12 or whatever right. that actually have the support to go on. That way, like, 24 don't run at once. Right, exactly. Yeah, but that way so many people don't run at once, and if someone is just... is just using uh, district math and fuckery to stay in office when literally nobody knows anybody who likes them and they get, like, 90% disapproval, then... Yeah, especially like in a in a public finance system. No, I don't want to waste my resources on you continuing to to waste my time. No. You also don't want like a family line thing to start happening. Yeah. Mm. One of the monarchies or any fucking the connection between uh, HW and W, like <laughs> how the fuck. First Bush wasn't even that popular. Like, I mean, he won, I guess. But yeah, I mean, who talks was... about his presidency in any kind of like positive? I've never heard anyone talk about the first Bush. But my <laughs> grandparents are still like in love with the second Bush. Really? Yeah. He is like weirdly well, charming. No, I, I agree. Actually, yeah. They're the Republican type where they're like, I'll vote Republican and love anyone who is a Republican because that's. What Republicans do to stay together is what they like. Right. They preach. Right. I feel like if, if, if W was like I don't know an ATV salesman, or if he was just like somebody with some some low industry job or something, I would fucking love that dude. Yeah. It, but he. Is he, he a painter now? Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> this motherfucker's out there painting faces of people he got murdered. <laughs> And then being like, you're welcome. It's <laughs> huh. fucking chilling with Ellen and shit. W is so, so peculiar. It's so weird. As, like, his, his grandfather is a fucking fascist. Yeah. Uh, did he actually want to do it or did he just go in it because his dad wanted him to? I think. W was just along for the ride. I think it was like he, did have he knew he could. I think he had some agency in it, but he wasn't like groomed for it from birth. Like no, no, not not at all. Uh, I, Jeb, what might have been yeah. more than Jeb, definitely was the the 
more I I don't know. He had no public speaking ability. Yeah, but he's not an He's not a fucking he, idiot. Right. Right. Like but, and removed from modern populist politics, um you didn't have to be good at that because you could train that. And you mm. could you know, because everything was talking points and right. uh just speech bubble platitudes. And so all all Jeb needed was was his speech card. He didn't have to like actually have a thought about anything. Jeb would have probably done better than Junior in uh Yeah, yeah in two thousand. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, in 2016, I think that Bush's um, thing would have worked again in a different in a different way. I think Bush probably would have maybe done better and probably would have beaten Trump in 2016. Yeah, because he could have because his there was so little his, personality going against Trump. Right, right, exactly. His his good old good old boy uh, Southern charm, which again, where the fuck does that even come from? Like, Prescott's a fucking fascist who tried to coup FDR. Uh, H.W. is is a CIA, is the head of the CIA from Connecticut. And then, and then there's fucking Junior and his fucking <laughs> cowboy. Yeah. And his cowboy fucking. Doing cocaine in college. And yeah. Just like fucking partying. You can party your way into the White House, apparently. Fucking Fail, son, your way yeah. straight to the White House. Holy shit. <laughs> America's fail son in chief. <laughs> God. It seems so far away now. <laughs> but we're still in the ramifications of that dumb shit presidency. Yeah. And Cheney's crazy ass. It's, it's like... It's like we're just standing in the same spot and and time just swirling around and so fast it's just unraveling. And right. so it's still 2000. It's yeah. still 2004, 2008, 2016. But it's just becoming this just unrecognizable, disgusting mass of, of elections and wars and pandemics and school shootings and like all of it just blurring together in this non-stop just spiral right. towards you know it's been a while since we've had one of those the school shooting yeah i very much doubt it there's had, probably yeah. a while since there's been one just being less coverage like worth, no, yeah, yeah worth uh reporting in fact let's see who got shot? Who got shot? Who, <laughs> Who got, got shot? shot today? <laughs> well, it's a Sunday. I hope there weren't any school shootings today. Oh, my God. Ooh. Sunday school shootings. It's awful. There was a Sunday school bombing, like, a couple years ago. That's so bad. It sucks. It's like on Easter or something. Oh. No bueno. Oopsie, no bueno. <laughs> <laughs> No stats yet for this for this week. Yeah. I'm sure there's... Oh, wait. Hold on. Mass shootings in 2020. Oh, shit. We've definitely had one in 2020. For real? 
Um, I was just, I was really hoping America's kill streak was over with. <sighs> the rate of profit trends towards zero, knowing the rate of death is ever expanding. Do you think America would ever stop killing people? What? No. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if any entity can ever do that for itself. Like, stop being completely violent in any, in any capacity. Well, I don't see, uh, see dates on here. Um, okay, here we go. Um, last one was Kansas City, Missouri on February 29th. Shit. Yesterday. Yep. Wow, what the fuck? Really? Uh-huh. This is shootings or mass shootings? Mass shootings. Holy fucking shit. Also, one in Colorado. Yesterday? Mm-hmm. Uh, one in Wisconsin four days ago. One in Chicago five days ago. Louisiana, Texas, uh, North Carolina, Idaho, another North Carolina, Mississippi, Florida, Connecticut, Tennessee, Louisiana, Chicago again, Delaware, Ohio, Texas, Indiana, California, Maine, Mississippi, and those are all just February. You know, all I heard on the news yesterday was that Trump really liked India. Oh yeah. What what is what is this weird He he really brought the reality TV star thing into the White House. I feel like all the press that he likes around him is all just very very petty and skin deep. <laughs> You know, so I have to, um, I have to walk back a, uh, and I don't think I've said it on here, but just for the record, I have to walk back a, a position because, um, Trump is the pure manifestation of of not only neoliberalism, but postmodernism, and mm. the the artistic uh, nexus or whatever that all postmodern art stems from is video, and so so Trump as the reality star candidate makes perfect sense. And what I have to walk back is the the notion that um, that everything's been done and everything is is pastiche basically is a a, a postmodernist notion and actually under you need to watch that documentary I sent you. Um, and actually understanding that in a materialist context, I have to, um, I pref I prefer the, the, uh, the modernist view of, of art of always be making something new, but I think it's, it's a synthesis between those Two th right. two points like because there are limited mediums, and I think right. that postmodernists see that as there's nothing new that can be garnered from 
art that hasn't already been like hasn't already been done right like statements that haven't been made but we know from like a material position that things will change inevitably that's like all that all that happens is basically change and it doesn't mean that we'll get new mediums and like literally in the form we may not have anything new but that doesn't mean that new things cannot be done with it because it has to continually face reality yeah that's, reality is ever shifting right that's kind of how how i see it what was the like the ability to to craft to craft bricks is you know a skill and and a craft in its in its own right you know that had to be discovered and learned and perfected but then you take those bricks and you build something with it. You know what right, I mean? Like, yeah. you, yeah, you take all the different things and you make something with it. But the difference between pastiche and art is the awareness and intention, I think. Like, right. If you go into a like creative endeavor thinking about it as a pastiche, it's going to affect the final product. Right. It's going to make it reflect whatever you, whatever culture you were trying to pastiche or whatever influences that you thought were in in the the genesis of this this idea it's it's the uh, <laughs> if you go into something deliberately trying to just express what you're trying to express it may be something that is seen as new even if it does follow previous mediums that would have been in the pastiche had you been examining it through that lens right so so yeah vote for Bernie <laughs> um, oh, I wish I could do a Jordan Peterson because we're talking about postmodernism oh yeah <laughs> absolutely so the, so the postmodernists right <laughs> they, they say that they're all all perspectives are equal, but, but, okay, but if all perspectives are equal, what does that mean for me? What am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> and that's what I mean. I'm also supposed to do with Okay, so. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but it, it's, it's not Peterson. It's no. somebody. <laughs> so, Super Tuesday, which for y'all wonderful people will be tomorrow, um, if you are in the states of Alabama, Arkansas, California, Colorado, or you're a Democrat abroad, the state of Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, and Virginia. Make sure to get out as early as you can if you haven't already voted and cast your vote uh, for Bernie Sanders. If not, then Super Tuesday is next Tuesday. <laughs> Um, stay at home. Nothing's stay. happening. Close the blinds. Uh, turn your phone off. Just take a day for personal care. Yeah. You know. Uh, definitely don't go anywhere where there would be mass groupings of people to avoid uh, the coronavirus. Right. 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 Um, uh, but Bloomberg will be fine. He'll still be a billionaire in a week. You, it's it's fine. Just just stay in. <laughs> Lock your doors if you have to. Tell you what, if you're gonna vote for Bloomberg, just. Just wait a week, you know, do whatever you have to do. Yeah, if you're going to vote for Bloomberg, I would just... Just break both your legs and... Think about it. That's all I'm asking, yeah. right? Just take a couple of days, right? It's Monday. 
now, so just take, take, a, just take, take a couple, couple days. days. Thursday, if you that those buildings aren't going anywhere, right? You, it'll be fine. Plenty of people do it. Just wait a couple of days and make sure it's what you want to do. And if, and if you decide you do, then I support you right. and you go vote for Bloomberg for this have, Super Tuesday on Thursday. Have somebody take care of the kids. Not that you have ever even seen their faces. But get somebody to, to, to come and take care of your kids. I'm sure they're well paid, whatever. Um, you know, and uh, just, you know, yeah. What Zach said? <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's pretty much pretty much it. Vote or die, motherfucker. Vote or die. <laughs> God. Uh, but uh, vote, so vote. hard into our civic duty. Vote, vote for our guy. Yeah. I don't want you to vote if you're going to vote for for somebody else. I'm right. That's that... the die. Right. Exactly. Vote for Bernie or die. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There's a title. Bye. <laughs>